0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. So I've been thinking about it, and I came up with an idea. I don't know if you guys are going to like this or not, but fortunately we live in an era where you all can decide what you want to listen to. uh, And if there's something you perhaps want to skip... And uh, to that end, I feel generally okay about what I'm going to put out into the universe right now. Uh, First thing is, I'm realizing that my, uh, I think my wife may have used my computer, and so the volume settings are a little bit kooky. Uh, Apologies if this is blasting into your ear, and apologies if it's quite the opposite. But first of all, welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today, a Sports Ethos presentation. Here's my thought. I uh, I want to be doing YouTube stuff pretty consistently for myself, for Sports Ethos. And so, for instance, on Monday, we did the uh, live mock where I basically just watched in on it. And that's pretty much how I'm going to run all of my mocks this time of year. I'm not in there to go grabbing at dudes. That's an absolute waste of my time. I don't want to move the market. I also realize, because I've been doing this for a while now, that the board is going to shift in three days, and all of your fancy pants sleepers will no longer be sleepers in three days, so um, what are we even doing? So this is a time to do recon. See what people are doing, see where names are moving up the board, down the board, whatever, and also... That allows us to kind of make predictions on what's likely to happen next. I'm not clairvoyant, people. It's just when you see certain things out in in the sphere, in the the fantasy sphere, and you see the names moving around on the Yahoo Draft board, you can pretty much know what's going to happen next to these names. So that's why we're doing recon in our mock drafts. But I also don't want to keep that from you folks on the traditional podcast side, the uh, you guys have been the most loyal of anyone all these years we've had this show running. So what I thought I might do is kind of like two-a-days almost. Because I do want to do a mock. I want to run a mock almost every single day just to see if anything's changing on the board. It's not something that I'm going to like hold on to long term. Once the mock results are done, I'll take a look at them and I'll hurl them into the garbage and move on to the next one. But I do think that it serves some kind of purpose right now, just to see what's happening. And the nice part is, part is the first five, six rounds of these mocks, they only take 15 minutes. You can knock them out in no time flat. That's beautiful. Some of you might not care at all. You might think this is overkill, Dan. And that's fine. You don't have to listen to that episode. You can pick which ones you want to do. But I think... And I don't know, you know, depending on how much free time I have on a given day, so it's not going to be all the time. But as often as I can, I'm going to try to do just like a 15-minute, hyper-fast, super-quick look-in mock this time of year. And in a perfect world, we'd do five a week. But it's not a perfect world. This week, we'll do probably a maximum of three. Well, maybe four. I doubt it. But maybe. That's not what this show is, though. This show is the continuation of yesterday's beginning of a new series on this podcast, which is the case for number eight. Or really, the case for number nine, if we can all just kind of quietly agree that number eight is probably Giannis, as we talked about on yesterday's show. The other eight players, just a reminder that we talked about as possibilities to go in that number eight spot, but again, really now number nine, are Damian Lillard, Kevin Durant, LaMelo Ball, Anthony Davis, Kyrie Irving, Jaron Jackson Jr., Devin Booker, and Anthony Edwards. Let's just start talking about them. And see if they fit. And kind of the funny thing is, well, you know what? Let's start with the three players that we already talked about as possibilities to go third. But now we know you're not going to have to worry about them at three. Those players were Damian Lillard, Anthony Davis, and Kevin Durant. It's not surprising that three of those four players are lined up on the Yahoo pre-rank board right after Steph Curry at 7. Giannis, I still think Giannis, who's pre-ranked 14th, by the way, I still think he slots in at 8. But if, again, like we talked about on yesterday's show, logic, if P, then Q, if we just assume it to be true that Jokic and Bede are at the top of the board and then the next five in some order is Luka, Tatum, Halliburton, SGA, and Curry, and then we assume now, we'll take it to be the case, that Giannis is going to go 8th in... Most drafts, maybe not 9-cat Roto, like, I know that's the one that I talk about the most, but it's also definitely not the one that's most played out there. 9-cat or 8-cat head-to-head, I believe, are the most popular. If we assume Giannis is going 8 because he's a terrific punt option. Now we're at 9, and we're talking about players we talked about at 3. 3. So doesn't it seem, I'll ask this question at the outset, and then I'll aim to try to prove either the positive or the negative on it, doesn't it seem like it ought to be the case, if we were even considering these players at three, shouldn't they be near shoe-ins to go at nine? In my opinion, the answer is yes and no. Maybe I'm too low on this situation, But Damian Lillard was number seven last year on a per-game basis. And if you look at, historically, the Dame number, with the exception of last season, the one before this most recent one, where he had the abdominal issue and he sat out most of the year, Lillard has basically always been between five and 12. For I don't even know how many seasons in a row. We can try to look it up as we're going here. Uh, COVID season is actually number three. That was a whopper of a year. Um, A lot of folks had down seasons, but his assists were also really high, so that kind of floated it. Year before that, he was at 11, scored more the following season. Year before that, Lillard was number nine. He's always in there, always has been. But his running mate for a lot of those, by the way, if you go back to 2016-17, Lillard was number 16 actually that year. He always had a higher volume running mate in those early seasons. CJ McCollum was taking a, a decent chunk of shots. Now here in the more recent couple of years, he really hasn't had that. If Lillard goes to Miami, I think the question everybody is pointing to and saying, well, what happens here is, what kind of a hit do his numbers take? I'm inclined to believe that it's kind of a decent hit. We could contort ourselves into circles and say, well, you know, maybe the number of shots doesn't go down all that much because Jimmy Butler only takes 14 shots a game, uh, and Adebayo only takes 15 shots per game, so there really should still be 20 shots left if, if Lillard wanted them. And maybe that would be the case. But in my eyes, you're looking more at the Devin Booker 20 shots than you are the Damian Lillard 20 shots. What do I mean by that? Well, if Booker's going to get to 20 shots this year, it's going to be because he's not the facilitator. It's going to be perhaps he's not getting the free throw line. Those things are not necessarily true. I'm just trying to use this as a point of comparison. It's just usage. Just roll it all into one bucket. Instead of saying, oh, well, Lillard took 20.7 shots last year, you need to look at 20.7 shots 9.6 free throws, 7.3 assists, roll it all together. There isn't that much available in Miami without a lot coming away from the guys that are already there, which just frankly isn't going to happen. Jimmy Butler, that's his team in Miami. That's Jimmy's team, and he was only at 5.3 assists per game. So I think if you think Dame is staying over 7 assists in Miami, that just ain't happening. If you think he's staying over 4 three-pointers a game, I don't think that's happening. 20.7 shots, that's also probably not happening. Not that this is like a big three or anything. You know, not like looking at the Warriors where those guys were all taking 20 shots and then they had to come down to like 19. Again, with Butler, he's at 14 shots, but 9 free throws. And then bio, 15 shots, not as many free throws, 5 and change, 3 assists. There's also other guys kicking around, but presumably if Dame ends up in Miami, someone like a Tyler Hero would probably go back the other direction. But it is worth noting, like, what did Tyler Hero do this year? Where those shots? He took 16 and a half. Does Dame just show up and get 16 and a half shots? I would think the answer there is a firm yes. Does he get something beyond that? Maybe. There is way, in my opinion, too much risk for Lillard to even really be, in my eyes, a first-rounder. Like, I, I know I'm going way, way back to 2016 with Dame, but that was the last time he was outside the first round. That was at 19.8 shots per game, 7.3 free throws, six assists per ball game. Yeah, guys put up some pretty darn good numbers that year, so there was kind of a bunching effect, and if he was just the tiniest bit better, he would have been like, number 12 instead of number 16 and that would have made him a first rounder but if you look at that year and say well is this a repeatable thing for him yeah probably does that knock him out of the first round maybe what did Kyrie Irving do this last year 27 5 and five and a half percentages that field goal percent gonna be better defensive stats gonna be better can Lillard keep up with Jason Tatum this coming year? Uh, he was number 11. I don't think so. Kawhi Leonard, if he's not god-awful for the first two months, he's a probably a mid-first. Just by that token alone, it's really hard to stay where he is if there's any erosion at all. So even at nine, I still don't think I'm going Dame. And maybe I'm in a butthole. Maybe it's <laughs> good choice of words, Dan. Maybe I'm being a jerk on this front. Maybe I'm being too hard on Lillard. Maybe he does show up and still get 20 shots a game. I just, someone always takes a hit when these guys come together. Adebayo probably takes a hit. Dude probably doesn't get 15 shots a game this coming year and score 20 points if Dame shows up. The big men typically don't start with the basketball, so it's harder for them to finish with it. Someone has to get it to them. You saw it with Kevin Love. You saw it with Chris Bosh. When big trios come together, oftentimes the big player is the one who sees their offense suffer a little bit. But, I mean, you could look at, at Atlanta. Trey and DeJounte Murray each fell way down the board this year. That's more common than what Donovan Mitchell did in Cleveland. Although he knocked Darius Garland down the board. Someone always gets popped in the mouth in these circumstances. 90% of the time, someone gets popped in the mouth. There's every reason to believe that it would be Lillard that takes the hit. Why risk it is the other end. The answer to that question, I guess, is because this number nine pick is so convoluted and difficult to make that you're like, all right, well, that's why you take the risk, because maybe he really does still stick there. But... You have two players on the board still that were better than Dame per game this last year by a decent chunk, mind you. And I know there are risks, but if you're considering one of these three players that we talked about as possibilities to go in the three-hole before, I really feel like just by sort of deductive reasoning, you got to go with the guys that were better already when Dame had every little tiny drop, he squeezed every drop of usage out of the usage lemon. Folks, picture this nightmare scenario. You're hosting friends for the big game, it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter, and suddenly you realize. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus. Not available in all locations. This past season, which by the way, this speaks to uh, exactly how much these top of the first round guys are doing right now. These numbers at the top of the first in fantasy are outrageous at the moment. Nikola Jokic, 24, 12, and 10 with brilliant percentages and two defensive stats, and that's tied for first place in per-game stats. If you threw that line on, I would think, almost any damn season over the last, like, three decades, he just blitzes the whole league. Like, think back to 2014 when Anthony Davis was the number one player. I mean, obviously, yes, he did it because he had 4.4 combined defensive stats that season. But 24 points, 10 rebounds, 2 assists, no 3-pointers. Okay, field goal percent, not great. I mean, fine, free throw percent for AD. Steph was number 2 that year with 24, 4, and 7. That's a meh fantasy season right now. It's really insane what we get out of these times. I know that they've made, you know, the the... 14-second offensive shot clock. That's the increased the number of possessions per game. Teams play faster. It's harder for defenses because of hand-check rules. I know everything is sort of tipped offense, so that's part of why this is happening, but holy piss. The numbers these guys are putting up at the top of the board are just nuts. Kevin Durant was number five per game this last year. On twenty nine seven and five with two point one defensive stats, two threes and fifty six ninety two splits. Whoa, that's number five now. Sheesh. All right, let's use that as a segue point. Cause is Kevin Durant gonna get that much in Phoenix? The I think I have to assume that. And look, if we're gonna take the way back machine here, machine here with the Sherman and Mr. Peabody, we have to look back at when Kevin Durant was number one in fantasy, and it was that same 2016 year we were just talking about with Damian Lillard. KD was number one that year. With the dubs, on average of 25, 8, and 5, 2.7 defensive stats, two threes, and 54, 88 splits. That was number one, by the way. What he did this past season, I would argue, was a more impressive fantasy campaign, and he was number five. He was number one by a pretty good margin that year. Is this what happens in Phoenix? Is this what Kevin Durant becomes, which is a hyper efficient, which he already was? One of three? Because that's what it became in Golden State. He showed up. Steph only got 18 shots a game that year. KD only got 18 shots a game that year. Clay got 17 and a half shots per game that year. He was number 31. Steph was number three kind of fun that the Warriors had number 1 and number 3 in the same year if you were a Warriors fan. Draymond Green was number 21. That team was a fantasy juggernaut. But anyway, back to the point at hand here. If you're thinking Kevin Durant at number 9. By the way, I I I believe very strongly that he plays in more games this season than last year. How high he gets is still kind of remains to be seen cuz he is a little bit aged and a little bit now once a player goes through the whole missing a season with injury thing, they just are a little bit more injury prone, especially if they're in their their sort of the back half of their NBA career. There's no way to write that off. He's almost definitely not going to have 2.7 defensive stats, but you know, close to 17 shots per game feels pretty damn repeatable, even alongside Booker and Beal. So does that get him to 26, 27 points per game? Nah. Uh... Might be asking a lot. He was at 29 points per game this year on 18 shots. So yeah, I guess you could get to 26, 27, somewhere in that neck of the woods. The rebounds feel uh, pretty gettable for KD. Josh Okoge is likely to be the other sort of frontcourt wing on that team. So he's KD's really only fighting with DeAndre Ayton for boards. I guess Okoge's okay. Five assists. I mean, they'll come because his teammates are really good. 2.1 defensive stats, that feels doable, 56-92 splits. I mean, they're insane, but he could very well do that again. But if you bring the free throws down, you bring the field goal attempts down, you bring the assists maybe down a little bit, if that got him to number five this last year, does it keep KD inside the top, inside the first round? I think the answer to that is a pretty firm Yes because he's just such an efficiency monster that looking down the board here, even if you peel off a little bit, he had such a big edge on the guys at the end of the first round, like Butler and Tatum, JJJ, Chris Stops. I'm going to skip over Kawhi because, again, he had sort of like a... He only played 52 games, and only like the last 36 of them were at full tilt, so you know a third of his fantasy numbers were clouded there. But... I just don't think there are that many people that can pass KD, even if he tapers off a little bit. But he's not my favorite at number nine. For the same reason, really, that we just call Damian Lillard not our favorite at number nine. That is because these guys are likely to take a step back this coming season. I don't like to draft guys that are set to take a step back where the ADP or the pre rank Hasn't really accounted for it. I mean, this is Lillard's typical ADP. One, two slots later, maybe? And he's liable to go to a team that has two guys that are going to be pushing him for who gets the ball? He was on a team in Portland where no one was. Even at even at the CJ McCollum-Damian Lillard duo apex. It was still Dame's team first. The Heat won't be. And I speak as though he's there because it does seem like it's almost an inevitability at this point, but we don't know when it's going to happen. That's also a problem. What if this thing drags on? We're just operating right now on these discussions as though he'll be a heat before the season starts. And I think he probably will, but we'll see. And that brings us to the third and final name that we're going to cover on today's podcast as uh, Possibilities at number 9. And he does appear to be, at least based on some of the uh, responses I got to the tweet a couple days ago, he does, I think, appear to be the preferred choice at that spot right now, and that's Anthony Davis. Because this past season, he was asked to do a little bit more, I think, than if the Lakers were fully healthy. But by and large... He didn't do anything extraordinarily out of character this last year. Field goal percent was better because he mostly eliminated taking three-pointers. That's a good thing, frankly. Got off to a great start in free-throw shooting, and then that tapered off as the year went on. That's something you'll probably have to assume continues. But what changes for him? Maybe rebounding, since they brought in guys like Hachimura and Vanderbilt partway through the year, and those guys will be back this coming season, AD, We'll get a little more help on the boards. Um, I mean, he led the league in rebounding this last year. I don't feel like people realize that. Anthony Davis was number one in the NBA in rebounds per game this season. The the small things I see as possibilities with AD, um, does the field goal percent come down from 56 to maybe like 53, 54? Possibly if he tries to shoot more jumpers, but I don't know. felt like last year was a pretty good example that that's not something he needs to do. Twenty-six points per game probably comes down to maybe more like twenty-four rebounds. Does he lead the league again? Ah, somehow I doubt that. Twelve and a half. Does that come down to like eleven and a half? So there's probably you know, arrow slightly down with AD, but it's not like what you're getting with Dame, where he's joining up with superstars. Kevin Durant joining up with superstars. And KD had played with Kyrie before, and that was fine, but he really hasn't been in a situation like this since Golden State, where there's two extraordinarily high-volume guys. And don't talk to me about the Harden-Kyrie trio, because those dudes didn't play together. They really just didn't. So yes, with Anthony Davis, slight arrow down, maybe just because they won't need him to do as much, but it's not as though he changed venues. It's not like he joined up with an extra superstar on the Lakers, it's basically the roster the Lakers had at the end of last year. Dennis Schroeder out, Gabe Vincent in, Troy Brown out, Torian Prince in. I mean, that's basically it. Nothing critical changed on that team. Anthony Davis is still the main big man focal point. I know we're hearing all these rumors about how they might want to play him alongside Jackson Hayes, but that's not going to be a long run lineup, even if they use it from time to time. That'll be probably when the Lakers have some big dude they've got to contend with and they don't want AD banging with him for the full ball game. It's not a gimmick lineup. You'll see it, but it's not going to be an every moment thing. So, yes, whereas with last time, maybe we talked a little bit more about I think I kind of ramped up when we did the case for who to go at number three. We sort of ramped up to the guys that I thought had maybe the best argument for it, at least in nine cat. Here at at pick nine, again, we're assuming Giannis is going at eight. Here at pick nine, you can have whatever you want as an appetizer. It felt like I was going to be doing a commercial for a restaurant. Here at pick nine, I felt like it was important to go over the guys that had a case to go at number three, but not maybe a very good one. But now, and I feel like we we kind of needed to, there's a little bit of a broader discussion to have here towards the end of the program on the Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis idea, which is the main reason, ah, eh, one of the main reasons that we weren't considering those players at three is because... There's no reason to take that kind of an injury risk at three. Because other guys remain on the board that are not that horrifying. I don't think Halliburton's going to be a big risk. Shea's nice and young. Tatum's still young. Like There's all these guys that you could take at three that have less of the, oh no, my team is now doomed thing. But I pick nine, and, and I'll remind you guys the names we're talking about, Lillard, Durant, and Anthony Davis today. But the ones we're going to go over the next couple of shows, LaMelo Ball, Kyrie Irving, JJJ, Booker, and Edwards. Kyrie Irving's the only player on that list that has been a top half of the first round asset for any stretch longer than like two days. Devin Booker's had a week or two where he went buck wild, but it hasn't lasted for more than a week or two. Kyrie Irving is the only player on that list of five names I just read that has been a mid-first rounder in any reasonable distance of time before. And we'll talk about the upside and the downside of all of those guys over the next couple of shows, but to me, the reason that taking a risk at nine is now suddenly on the board is that Someone like an Anthony Davis can be a top five per game asset again this coming year. What you need out of him to get to that number nine ADP to fulfill his value, and I get it, in a head-to-head league, I don't, even, I don't know that I could convince you to take him at nine in head-to-head, but he was really only about six games away from being a top eight totals player this past year. That's I mean that's really close. Like Damian Lillard was number 13 by totals this last season and he was number 7 per game in 58 ball games. Anthony Davis was number 4 per game in 56 ball games. So we already know if AD played in 58 games he'd have been in a he'd have been a first rounder. The very last one, number 12 probably. But basically every two games he plays at that point, he's jumping at least one slot. If Anthony Davis last year got to 62 games, I believe he would have been the number nine fantasy player in basketball. If you want to say 63 just to be cautious, that's fine. If he got to 65 games last year. He's probably top six, maybe top five. And so that's what you're now contending with. Maybe the maybe a very small step backwards is a possibility, but also, you know, things numbers bounce around, so who knows? Can Anthony Davis get to within twenty games of a full season? Wasn't that far off. It's a tough one. It's a tough damn one to make a call on. But when you stack it up against the other players that we're talking about right now, there's a pretty good case for it. Friends, the All-Sport Fantasy Pass at Sports Ethos is $7 for two more weeks. That's it. I now know this to be true. I know this to be true. Because when August expires, so does that rate. It's going up to $10 a month for the All Sport Fantasy Pass, which does include the Brewski 150 at a slightly earlier drop date than some of the other ways you can get it here at Sports Ethos. And if you're like, yeah, but if I get the All Sport at $10 later, let me talk you through the math for just a second here. If you plan on leaving your subscription on for the regular season, which basically gets you into the front end of April, if you sign up for the All Sport now at $7 a month, you will have saved enough for it to make sense. Because every month you're saving 3 bucks against the $10 price. First of all, it has a six-month lock. Okay? Remember that. About what we've got here at Sports Ethos. If you sign up for the All Sport uh, during any sports draft season, there's a lock on it for a few months. So that's 42 over those six months for the All Sport now versus 60 if you wait. And I get it. Some of you are like, well, I'd like to wait until it's slightly closer to the season so that I get the All Sport and it takes me to like the very last day of the regular season. Okay, I get that. But. Let me just talk you through something right now. If you get it right now, the six-month lock would expire mid-February. You could keep it for another month to get you through your head-to-head playoffs, and that would still only be $49. Or you could keep it for another month to the end of the regular season. That's still only $56. That's still less than the 60 that the Allsport is going to be if you wait until the price goes up. The only reason not to do it right now is if you will only ever use our NBA stuff only. If you have any inclination to use our baseball stuff or our football stuff here at Sports Ethos, which are incredible resources, that would be the time that you got to get it now. Because the NBA only is $6 a month. Just one buck less, by the way, than getting the all-sport. And so, yes, obviously, that is the more affordable option. But if you're getting the all-sport and you're ever going to use any other sport besides basketball, you've got to get it in the next two weeks. So just go do it now. Stop screwing around. There's really no, no reason to wait because the end of the regular season is almost exactly eight months from today. All right, bonus episode, I think, coming on later today uh, with our little speed round through a mock draft. And hopefully you guys enjoy that. If you skip it, you skip it. I don't really care either way. But if I'm doing it, I figure you might as well get it on both YouTube, which is youtube.com slash ethos, or right here on traditional podcast channels. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. I'll talk to you guys tomorrow.